Hey guys, how's it going? This is Geeks of the Week, episode nine. We're here. Hello, welcome. Oh my gosh, guys, we have an exciting episode for you guys today. We are going to be talking about villains, the baddest of the bad. I'm so excited, God! I this mean, should have been our first episode. I feel like I've made it very clear how much I love villains. Like villains are the characters that I I, do, I love them They're so the much. They're the best part really of like every them. movie. Like straight, like straight up. Like I don't like 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 here's yes. like I love a good hero. Like don't get me wrong, heroes like how we kind of relate to like life when it comes to film or any type of media. Like he, the heroes are like our proxy, but it's the villains that like really take that shit to the next level when they're doing like just their dastardly evil evil shit. And there's so many types of villains so too. Many like types. there's so there's so many and types. Like, so, villains, I feel like, help you understand the protagonist more because th- depending on mm-hmm. what the villain's motivations are, what kind of villain they are, it really shows you a lot more about the heroes. I mean, like I think what is that? Yeah. There's like a parable. Is parable a word? I don't know. Like the, uh, you know, like the. Is it a story? Yeah, you know, like the <laughs> ideology that like um, don't don't judge a person by how they treat their equals. Like judge a people by how they treat yeah. like um they're you know p- people oh be- the people under yeah. that i know dumbledore said it at some point right like what, is the, said what this. is the quote like, he said oh i can i can get this i can get this he said <laughs> don't fail me dumbledore he said don't treat he said don't don't judge a person for how they treat their inferior how they treat their uh inf- their equals it's how they treat their inferiors i believe it's either it that Dobie? or the other way around it was about yeah. doby because like like i think like the whole thing about that was like your your equals obviously like you're gonna treat somebody with respect because they're you see them as like on your like level playing mm-hmm. field. But someone who like shows compassion to people who are like considered inferior to them, that's the type of person you want to align yourself with because it says a lot about someone's character that they have this kind of superiority complex and think I'm better yep. than you, so therefore I can treat you like like shit. Sam Wilson. So that's think, why yeah. Sam Wilson is our Captain America. Exactly. He treated everyone with compassion. Everybody. He went into that conversation Mm -hmm. with Carly and said, look, I might not agree with you. I might think that what you're doing is wrong. I might think that you deserve to be in jail, but I also see you as a person. And a lot of protagonists, heroes, don't don't have that same level of compassion. It's being able to relate to people that you don't agree with, being able to, you know, have compassion for people that you think are making morally wrong decisions is it is a huge, uh, hugely strong character trait, I think. Going going back to another Captain America, remember Steve Rogers tried to talk some sense into a freaking robot in Ultra in Age yes. of Ultron. He really he, him and Thor, they were both just kind of like, hey, nobody has to break anything. <laughs> like, hey, you don't have to do this. He's a fucking robot Definition who's already made up his mind. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> he really did try to talk some sense to a robot. I don't. Oh my gosh. Our, uh, our but sweet yeah, himbos, so Steven, Steven <laughs> Thor. Uh, I'm just saying they both and that that just says a lot about Thor's character development too. He went from super brash to just going no one has to break anything. I'm like, "Oh, Thor, <laughs> you're 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 caring about a robot's feelings." That's so idiotic, but so sweet. That's the type of those are the type of heroes that we yes. need. But exactly like you said, I feel like when it comes to villains, they're the ones who they're the ones who really like challenge who we are as people. Like the heroes are going to hero. The heroes are going to make the right decision, even if they might stumble and fall along the way. They're going to make the right decisions in the end where the villains, they're the ones that make us ask, would I do that? Like, or do I have the capacity to do that? And that's interesting. They're the darker part of like the human condition as much as I hate saying that <laughs> phrase, but they're, they're, they're truly are like our dark psyche kind of like peeking out at us and saying like, Hey, 
wouldn't you like to conquer the world if you had yes. the chance? Yes. And even if you think it's for good, like that's one of my favorite, I, you know, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings girl. Um, mm-hmm. But that's one of my favorite parts about the Lord of the Rings trilogy is that, you know, all of the characters being tempted with the ring, especially those with like a high yep. moral uh, standing, like Gandalf says, you know, Boromir. don't tempt me. I I, I mm-hmm. know that I would use, I would, I would go into it wanting to use the ring for good, but I, yep. you know, power inherently corrupts. And if you give it to me, even though I would go into it with good intentions saying, I'm going to make the world a better place. Or same with Galadriel. You know, she says, you know, instead yep. of a dark Lord, you would have a queen. And, you know, again, she's, she's saying that she wants to be a benevolent and powerful leader. Also, mm-hmm. also terrifying, but you know, like, <laughs> you know, she's got a little bit more hubris than Gandalf, I guess. Uh, I'm just saying, but I'm, I'm just as scared as benevolent as malevolent. Exactly. Well, people, so. you know, the you know, they say about the road to hell, like literally you can you can go into a situation saying, you know, the good of the many outweighs the good of the few. And that's how you get into some terrifying yep. situations, you know? Yep. 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 But let's not forget Boromir as well. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. Boromir, like he was such a he was such a fucking good oh guy. God, I love Boromir like, he was such so a fu- much. Every time I see him in like in fellowship when he's literally carrying the hobbits, like he's like, hey, I'll carry. He's carrying them like they're his yes. children. He cares about he's when they're oh, when after Gandalf dies and they're crying, he's the only one saying like, yo, give them a second. Like they just Born lost his heart. Let me just tell you, I Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite of the trilogy. I know that a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, don't think it's the best one. I just love Fellowship so much. Boromir's death scene. The, actually, the, oh the whole scene from the second that Boromir tries to take the ring from Frodo and then you see him. God, I like that. Regret. You see him break down, realizing what he's done. <gasps> oh, my God. Like, I, I literally yep. have like chills right now just talking about it, because first of all, yeah. Sean Bean, phenomenal actor, like literally. Oh, absolutely. Sells the hell out of it. Like he's his devastation at his own failure beautiful uh-huh. beautiful and then watching him sacrifice himself to save mary and pippin oh yep. my god full, full arrow full arrows to the chest and back he's still and, going because he's trying to make up for that he's trying to make up for that one little mistake and, it reminded me oh my god it reminded me of this thing i saw superman say one time when like it it, it was in this comic where like they go on a like bat superman and lois go on a double date with batman and selena and they're just eating corn dogs and batman says Oh, I'm gonna have to kick like so many trees to work this <laughs> off. And then Superman's like, I once kicked a tree. I spent the whole day planting sequoias <laughs> in, in Smallville to make up for it. And that was Boromir. He was like, I tried to take the ring and now I'm gonna take eight fucking arrows in the chest to make up <laughs> no, for it. No, but this. it's I mean, literally, and he comes full circle when Aragorn is, you know, is holding him as he's dying and he literally, he's like, you know, he was resentful before because he had this misguided allegiance to his father. But he's like, you're mm-hmm. my king. I know, I know, king. You're, I know you're going to do it. You're my king. Oh, oh my gosh, man. It's, it's, it's so oh beautiful. I mean, literally, I, oh and gosh. that's a great kind of, I mean, and Boromir obviously isn't a true villain. But I think that, like, we were really drawn specifically to, like, morally conflicted characters and anti-heroes yes. and anti-villains. And that's, again, mm-hmm. where, you know, one of the reasons why we're talking villains is because Loki is, is coming out next week. Yeah. Um, Loki's yeah. a great, great, uh, you know, character that, that embodies that, like, moral conflict and quandary that, that we love so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's that I, there are so many different types of villain. And that's I don't I don't want all villains to, to fit in that, that box. But right. I mm, I man yeah. i love i think I, I think when it comes to loki like as a villain like loki to me he was 
like top tier like Marvel villain because like you said you can kind of you could like understand the moral quandary that he was going for like if you were in Loki's shoes and you were told that you were going to be king or you were going to be a king you were going to pretty much have everything that Thor would have in, in if not more come to find out you're fucking adopted you're not even the same species as your yep, brother yep. <laughs> like, come to find out all these things are just inherently lies but you still want to please the people that you've seen as family and so you try to do the most extreme thing possible in order to get their love because you do not feel you're a part yep. of it so you have to do the big like it, Tony Stark said it himself he wants people to see him he wants to be noticed he just wants you know he just wants that kind of like feeling that Thor always yeah. had and I feel like uh, at the beginning, Loki was like that quintessential, like great villain, like seeing him go from like confidant of Thor to now following, follow, falling into the dark side. And the whole time you're thinking, you don't have to do this. You don't have to take over this, this planet. Thor tries to bring him back from that. And it was all it just seemed for a moment that there was just no getting Loki to snap out yeah. of it. And, I, and that's what made him so interesting. And now, like, you know, that and then obviously with the MCU kind of progressing the way it did. And, you know, you're obviously not going to have to have Loki be that villain character for long. He's now kind of like falling into the anti-hero trope. But what's got me excited about Loki is that this Loki is still that villain. He's still like very much like I just lost (laughs) at the end of Avengers. I'm still really fucking pissed off. And now you're trying to trap me and get me to do what you want. Like this is the Loki that like I've been missing. Yes. We're getting a show of this version. And I I, Loki's one of my all time favorite characters in the MCU. And that's in no small part due to Tom Hiddleston. But also just because he's an incredibly written character and he's he's Mm -hmm. one of the most interesting characters, I think, that we've seen in the MCU. Um, but what I I was having this conversation the other day where I was saying that like I, I really think that it's Odin in the first Thor movie I think that it's Odin's fault it's it's Odin that led to Absolutely. this this whole thing and and someone was saying to me um, well I mean he already let the frost giants into Asgard before he found out that he was adopted and I was like yeah but that's I mean Loki is a trickster god and if you know anything about right. Loki from the comics or even Loki from Norse mythology like he's always doing shit. That is always. is not like literally it. the other gods hate him because he's always doing that kind of shit. It's not because he's, you mm-hmm. know, on a path to darkness. It's because he's the god of mischief. He's it's a trickster. He is. And I, he turned Thor into exactly. a frog. Exactly. And I and I <laughs> and I personally and we love Throg, Stan Throg. Um but uh-huh. but uh uh-huh. but I personally think that in the first Thor movie, even, you know, getting Thor banished to Midgard and letting in the Frost Giants to to um to Asgard, that was all you know, in, in Loki's mind, at least, for forgivable offense, like just mischievous. Right. But then finding out that, you know, and I'm an oldest sibling, so I don't specifically relate to this, but I, I, I see it, um, you know, mm. always being the runner up and always wanting to achieve what Thor, you know, how his father viewed Thor. Um, yeah. And then realizing, then having that conversation where his father not only lied to him his whole life, but his father never viewed him as even, even remotely capable of sitting on the throne because he's inherently other that in my opinion was the moment that turned loki into a full-fledged villain because that shit fucks with you and i mean i've always said that it's so fucked up that (laughs) thor gives that odin gives thor a hammer that's like oh 
if you're worthy, like you can, you can wield this. You can, and I'm just like, wow. Right. Okay, that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a <laughs> shitty, that's a shitty gift. Like, <laughs> you're literally gonna remind every time Thor carries this hammer, you're reminding Loki that he's not worthy. Well, yeah, it's for like... Thor too. Like literally, it's like, oh, here's a gift that I know constant, a constant reminder that if I'm not good Judging enough, you. I don't deserve it. Yep. But imagine how much yep. it sucks for Loki too, because he realizes that his father never thought that he was even remotely worthy to to run us yes. and oh that's just i mean that that'll fuck you up it's a form of abuse it's a form of abuse oh absolutely it's, it's, odin is such he, an he emotionally give... abusive father absolutely <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying like not only that like when you like really dig into the comics and you like like find out that mjolnir is sentient like there's there's literally a mind yeah. behind this and it it literally walks around or like hammers around however you want to say and it deems who's worthy or not to pick yep. it up and it's constantly looking at thor just kind of like hmm then i <laughs> like it, it's it's like it, it it really does fuck you up and then you have somebody like loki who's like it's constantly just like no it no. also like, uh really you're, adds you're a lot of this. depth to that line from thor ragnarok where korg says your hammer pulled you off <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe Mjolnir's thinking about it. <laughs> I mean, it's true because, like, it's 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 yep. sentient. Yep. So, like, when they have what it, the hammer does is like a huge part of Thor's power. So he can't even fly without the fucking mm. thing. So that's why, like, you have like the run of like the unworthy Thor yep. of like him realize, oh, without who am I without the hammer? And which is something that we've kind of gotten in the MCU itself. But then you like turn that back to Loki. Like Loki, Loki is like a perfect mirror of Thor, which is what makes him a great yeah. villain. Like, but even though he didn't know he was adopted and he still tries to bring the Frost Giants into, that's his version of literally going into Jotunheim and fucking up a couple Frost Giants, even though like they've had like centuries of peace. That was his version of that because Thor is brute strength. So it makes sense that he would solve this problem with brute strength and Loki is conniving. So he would solve his problems with being conniving. Yeah. So, like when you when you look at it from that like angle you have one who's constantly being judged by this uh this hammer and one who doesn't even is not even worthy enough to be judged at all further cementing him as like the other child you know like he didn't he didn't get no special his his helmet with the horns isn't like special to loki he like he doesn't get anything special so it's it just and you can understand that so i think like like with this Loki show, we're really gonna like kind of like dive into like that mental part of his psyche, and maybe even get like a "my dad sucks" kind of scene. <laughs> oh my like god! Talking to Old I, I know that you've you talked know? about like what you want to see between Thor and Loki, and I, I really want Loki to be confronted with the different, you know, the different timelines and what could have happened in the timeline where he sacrificed yes. himself. I I would love to have loki and thor at some point some i i i hope that we get to see thor in the loki series i don't know if it's likely Mm -hmm. but i would love to i would love to see loki have a conversation with thor about about odin because like they've never sat i mean as a as a sibling i think you know you all have points where you have to you know sit down and talk about your parents sometimes vent a little bit and i feel like they need to have that you know that conversation that's like they didn't get a chance exactly because they they Mm -hmm. healed with each other but they never addressed the fact that like why are we we're resentful of each other because we were conditioned to be that way because of the way we were raised and it's it's not you know i think inherently we need to understand as brothers that this problem didn't resonate this didn't you know start with us and i've never it's never really been a problem with you it's been an outside bigger bigger issue i think that that would be so powerful exactly exactly nebula Mm -hmm. and gamora had that amazing Mm -hmm. 
com- and uh, God, that scene in Guardians too. I just, I love it so great, so much because it's so important, especially for children of abuse, to have that moment where you realize mm-hmm. all this resentment that I have for you. I, I know, I need you to know that man. I know that it's not your fault, and it's not, it's yeah. not something that I harbor against you. And I think that, yeah, I think that that's really important for this show. I'd love I to think, see it. I th- I think that would do great for like their relationship into because they've had conversations about like their relationship like towards each other mm-hmm. like I like th- they've had like their own beautiful like kind of conversation in the elevator of Thor Ragnarok where Thor was like oh I thought the world of you I thought we were gonna like fight and play and like just be be brothers forever but you're clearly like on your path and I'm online and they're talking about themselves which is great it's a great conversation and it you know obviously like ends up turning like loki around and kind of like mending that relationship yeah. but i think like for this version of loki who hasn't had that conversation they need to have a conversation about like odin yeah. and now that he's gone like what what that did to them and like even to like further kind of like dive in on that it will be a great kind of uh, parallel to the conversation that thor had with his mother in avengers endgame yes. You know, realizing like Thor had this Thor got the benefit of having this conversation with his dad, like, oh, are you the god of hammers? And then we got another conversation with his mother about him being worthy and those type of things. So it would be cool that we saw this timeline where Loki meets maybe current timeline Thor. It's a long shot. But I would love to see like current timeline Thor, who's now wiser, who's had these different kinds of conversations, having the conversation with his brother that he couldn't have because he was tragically cut down by Thanos. So giving Loki this talk about Loki, look, been around, realized it wasn't it wasn't you. I hate it like you didn't hate me. I know that we just came up in this very kind of like emotionally harsh environment. And, you know, the sooner you realize that, the sooner you can now live your timeline or live your life in a way where you can f- be fulfilled. So I never went this deep on Thor <laughs> before, but this talking with you just this makes is me so why happy I mean, it. honestly, though, and I'm going to say this one more time. This is why you should rewatch Thor The Dark World. I'm just saying just just as, I mean, literally like that conversation between Frigga and Loki. I, if I'm being honest, I would love to see another conversation between an alternate timeline Frigga and Loki in the Loki show because Loki's yeah. relationship with Frigga in the MCU is is so Great. sweet and so touching. And the fact mm-hmm. that, like, he, you know, Thor is always, you know, the, the god of thunder and he's very much like Odin. And Loki took his mother, yeah. his magic from his mother. Um, yep. You know, I think that that's such a sweet connection that they have. And I would love to see, you know, her talk to him a little bit, um, you know, and I, I'm not sure. I, obviously, right. I'm. I'm not I'm not even really interested in making predictions for the show at this point because I'm so excited uh-huh. and there's so many things yeah. that they could do. But I definitely have like a wish list of things that I hope to see. And even if even if they don't come true, I'm yeah. sure that I'm sure that they'll surprise us in amazing ways. But yeah, it's Yeah. I think like like for me, like I've always like here's the thing with these Disney Plus shows, I've made predictions for WandaVision because it was built for like predictions. Yeah. It was such like a mystery box Absolutely. show. Falcon and the Winter Soldier didn't really like lend itself to having predictions because it was very almost straightforward until you like talk about like the themes of racism, like classism, like socioeconomic, those type of things. So it really didn't like say, oh, I'm predicting that this is going to happen. It was more about what's happening like right now with Loki. I don't want to make any predictions because the only prediction that I could make at this point, because it's the God of first off, he's the God of deception. So any prediction that I make, he's probably going to throw us for a loop anyway. But what I don't want to make predictions. I really want to just dive into like where Loki's head is at yeah. because his whole character is very like psychological. So like a lot of the videos and like kind of discussions that I've started about Loki is 
how would Loki react if he dealt with this? Yeah. How would Loki like respond if he saw this? And I feel like that's what makes it more interesting because Loki is such a reactionary character, as you put it in one of your videos. Yeah. He's so reactionary. So like talking about like how does his reaction shape who he's being right yeah. now? How does the God of Deception like kind of solidify? So yeah, it's I'm, I'm Ron, super it's, excited to like really get into that. It's phase. so true because he has he's based his entire personality off you know reacting to who you know kind of rebelling against what's expected mm -hmm. of him or or what what people think he should be or what his brother is and trying to be the opposite of that and when you put him in a situation right. where he sees all of the possibilities of the ways that he could have gone there's yes. nothing to rebel against because anything is possible so it comes down to mm -hmm. to figuring out the core of who who are you really and who do you really want to be and that's why i'm so excited i i am i'm fully right preparing myself to be emotionally destroyed by the show <laughs> i think it's gonna be really fun but i'm also just like really ready yeah. for like an introspective deep dive which i i'm i feel like like people keep saying oh well, what if it's just fun and of course if it's just fun i'm, I'm sure i'll enjoy, yeah. enjoy it. it could be doctor it, who but doctor who gets exactly but I, I i after after everything we've seen so far i i'm fully expecting this show to to be an emotional roller coaster <laughs> yeah let's let's just hope that the uh they they're able to stick the landing because so far these shows haven't been able to stick the that, landing yeah. as well as they could. I do think that, you know, yeah. But maybe they might do something different. Maybe it's not just big CGI punch, punch fight. Yeah. I, I hope, I hope that we get something. Punch, punch. <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be her like identifier from now on. In conversation. I, I, I DM'd her about that shit. I was like, really? Punch, punch, punch. What? Like, uh, she was like, hey, hey, agree to disagree. I was like, this isn't over. I, I felt like a villain. It's going like, to be an ongoing over. feud between the two of you now. I'll be back. I live to see it. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, I want to I wanna kind of like go into like some more of our, like our villain talk because the re another reason why we're here is because of Cruella just yes. released uh, very recently. And I know you said like you, you haven't seen it, but you've kind of like, I've, you know, did your Yeah, I've delved into the, I, I'm normally very against spoilers, but I, I have made it pretty well known that i'm not really the biggest fan of a lot of these disney live action movies um mm -hmm. and i love emma stone and i love emma thompson um and i was interested in this film but especially after hearing some of the initial stuff around the story yeah. i i was i felt pretty comfortable spoiling some of it for myself just because i i could mm -hmm. already kind of tell that it probably wasn't going to be my thing right Right. Well, I'm not going to spoil it because I know some of our listeners like probably haven't seen it. Or they're waiting for us to talk about it to see yeah. it. But like this could kind of like lead directly into like some of the other topics that we have. And what I want to talk about is like what makes a villain, what, what separates a villain from an antihero? And I feel like Cruella, movies like Cruella and even like The Suicide Squad, if you want to even talk yeah. about that, it, it, it really like muddies the waters and what I, what I want to say about Cruella is that Cruella, we all know, is, like, an evil bitch. Yeah. Like, like I, I think I can call her a bitch because she's fictional, yeah. so I'm not... And she's, like, legitimately, she, like, deranged. Like... Deranged. Yeah. Like, she's crazy. Yeah. And so, like, seeing the trailers initially, the one thing, the one hope that I have for the movie was that they will really dive into this woman is not like a sympathetic character. Yes. She's literally like someone who's willing to murder puppies and she just needed like an excuse. Yes. Right. That's now, what I film... wanted too. I really, that's why mm -hmm. I had hopes for it because I really thought, especially after seeing the initial trailers, I thought this looks yeah. like they're really going to go in for, she's irredeemable. Like you, one of yeah. those, like almost like a, you know, Walter White breaking bad where it's like, you know, every decision yeah. that they make, you're like, that was a bad decision. Like you're not a yeah. good person. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you still root for them because 
they're the protagonist and you're seeing the story through their perspective and there are things that you can relate right. to, but you don't condone, you know, or or, or say, yes. oh, there's a there's a good reason for that, you know, like. Yeah. And I don't like those like there's a good reason for like, here's the thing when you have like a villain story where they take on like another antagonist beautifully played by Tessa, uh, not Tessa Thompson, Emma Thompson. Mm -hmm. Like she's a great villain in her own right for sure. But this is like the problem when you have like a bad guy taking on a bigger bad guy is that you make them the hero. And Coella shouldn't be the like I get it. Everyone's the hero of their own story, but it's very rare where you have two bad a movie where two bad people going head to head, and they're both still bad people. Yeah. Like uh, an example is a uh, I care a lot. The movie with Rosemary. Yes. Pike. A movie filled with irredeemable people, and what and what that movie succeeded at was that you had you set up how bad this one person is, and you already hate them from jump, and then you put into their you made you make an obstacle a person who's not necessarily worse but they're bad in their own way and they're both fighting to do terrible things so whoever whoever wins it's bad for everybody so i feel but cruella in this movie if she wins it's not bad for everyone it's like you're kind of thinking to yourself well you know she the person she's going against kind of deserved it and you're kind of rooting for cruella and i get it like rooting for the bad guy is a thing but Corella, you're literally rooting for her because you feel like she is the the good guy in this situation. Yeah. And just because the movie's dark, it doesn't mean the fact that they keep walking back how dark Cruella is as a character. I just didn't really get the sense that she was like as evil as she could have yeah. been or should have been, you know, or as we like are used to knowing. Well, her. it's like another so good really, example is like the usual yeah. suspects. Like. Yes. And they they mm-hmm. start off like that movie obviously like spoilers for the usual suspects it's like 25 years old. But like that <laughs> yeah. that movie um has the character start out as you know it's a mystery. Um but by the end mm-hmm. of the film you're like, "Oh my god, this this guy's evil." And it's it yeah. works because A, you don't see it coming, but B, they don't shy away from from, you know, showing that this this is not a sympathetic character sometimes villains paint themselves to be sympathetic um but they don't need and not every villain needs a sob story as a fucking background you know like no some people and 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 that's not to say i mean like literally i'm sure the the most evil real life people that have lived saw themselves as the good guy of their own story Absolutely. And that's, you know, but that doesn't mean that they're actually sympathetic. Like, you should be able to write right. a character that people can still relate to and root for as a protagonist, as a as a POV character that that mm-hmm. isn't painted with a brush of sympathy or tragedy or trauma excuses horrible actions. Because <laughs> that's not yes. Yes. that's not the message we want to send, you know? That was my problem with the yeah. movie Joker. And I know that I think I think you are a fan uh-huh. of it, but I absolutely hate that movie. And I think that one of the biggest problems <laughs> I had with it, other than being physically repulsed by, while watching it, because it was just so, just so disturbing to me, mm. um, was that it really did give that like uh, so many people on the Internet are like, oh, well, like Arthur Fleck was not a villain in the end. Like he was. He oh, was no. mi- just on, misunderstood. He was. It's up. like no, like that character is literally like Joaquin Phoenix in interviews has literally talked about how he doesn't want to talk about the the studies that he did for it because he based mm-hmm. the character off of real life mass murderers, and it's like yep. that's that there are there are plenty of people with trauma in the world, and it's it doesn't make it you know a good thing, but that's an, it doesn't. You're still going to go to jail exactly. For murdering it's somebody. never an excuse. Like, like society isn't yeah. the real villain of Joker. Like society no. sucks, but 
Now, that's not to say you can't feel bad for what happens exactly. to him. Like he, exactly. He has atrocities done to him, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But responding to atrocity with committing more atrocity is never a good yeah. thing. So when, when you tell me, like, people, oh, he wasn't really the villain. Like, society did this to you know he could have turned the other way like he could have a like, lot of you know, real life abusers are were initially victim of victims of abuse you know that's it's exactly. like are you gonna excuse wife beating because somebody you know exactly. like it's like where's the line like everybody goes through shit but you gotta have a you gotta draw a line i said that i said that with when uh joker first came out i said this is going to be like one of the most disturbing like real depictions of like a comic book character like too real yeah i I said people aren't ready for something like the joker because you've already set up the joker to kind of be this morally reprehensible disgusting heinous just mass murdering psychopath and that's just who he is as a character that's that's why we love joker because batman is like that that law the hard law that like is like the swift hand of justice or however you want to put it but when you make a movie of that character by himself and make him the protagonist you're going to get that heinous disturbing craziness and that's and that's what i liked about the movie because it's accurate but at the same time it's uh it's still very it's 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 comic book accurate but at the same time it feels more real than comic book and like very few comic book films do that because there's still always like a level of separation Mm -hmm. of oh it's you know it's just a comic book i literally had to keep telling myself it's just a comic book while watching that movie and the fact that a comic book film made me do that that's what made me go like okay this is a great film because this this is transcended like comic book movie dumb it's now out of like the superhero genre fair and and it's now like a disturbingly real depiction like taxi driver yeah yes yeah you know well and i another great i recently (laughs) made a video about um how we have leniency for characters in these in like comic books and in superhero films mm-hmm. because it's it's very much about metaphor and allegory mm-hmm. and and telling you know real relatable stories through more exciting means um and that's why like i relate to characters like loki but i think that a character yeah. like joker really needs that added level of like removal like that that additional yes. like cartoony garish like comic book cover because when you strip like trying to copyright yeah yeah, yes (laughs) because when you remove that it literally is just it's it's too terrifying like you get to like it's based off of these real life people that do these horrible things that are viscerally and that's the thing it's like i respect the movie is beautifully shot i respect that it's very well acted i respect that it's you know it's a it's on paper it's a good story but i Mm -hmm. i do i feel the same way about taxi driver like it's a great film but in a lot of ways, it, it's like physically uncomfortable for me to watch it because yeah. it's just it's yeah. it's too it's too real. And yeah. I like that. That was a big thing for me is that like I don't I I personally didn't need a biopic of mass murderers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah, totally. Like, totally. Some people are really into that type of stuff. Some like like my wife is really into like those kind of like true crime type of like, oh, how did they do it type of yeah. stuff. And people eat that shit up because people just want to get into the head of these like mass murdering like psychopaths. But you said it yourself. People will watch that and say, oh, my God, this has happened to me before. So therefore, this person is not bad. It's like, no, they're bad. Don't don't don't. I can't tell you how many arguments I've had on the Internet where people try to tell me that he's not a villain and I'm or he's just misunderstood or I'm I'm just like, 
this, I, and I think truly, I, if the internet didn't exist, I would have enjoyed the movie a lot more <laughs> because I just yeah, no, immediately, totally. I just started having these conversations that I was like, uh, okay, I'm, ter- I'm terrified <laughs> now. I'm literally terrified. <laughs> but I mean, it, just back out the room. Just, it sounds like yeah. that is not the case for Cruella. I, I know that like, I yeah. didn't, I didn't watch it yet, but yeah, it sounds like they're trying really hard the to make it like mm-hmm. excusable and make her sympathetic, which I'm just, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you give her, you give her the backstory. You give her like, like, oh no, like that's why she hates Dalmatians. Oh no, and I just feel like the movie like does a poor job of just kind of like going all in on the Cruella character. It just feels like they go this far, and then there's somebody from Disney that keeps like walking them back. Yes. Like, oh, it can't be too dark. Like we can show murder, but let's like make it as like a cartoony murder as possible and let's like let's make people go like oh yeah so that's why she does this thing and it you know it's 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 fine like you know i had a blast like kind of watching it because emma stone just completely murders the she's uh she's so great the Cruella character i've, I've heard that her Let character's me, great she's amazing the thing i didn't really like and maybe this might be like a minor minor spoiler is that you know obviously you know the character, and you can read the synopsis, I believe this in the trailer as well, the character is like, name is Estella, and Cruella is kind of like a moniker that she's created for herself. It's like a persona almost. Yeah. And I feel like what the, what the movie does is it tries to say that, oh, when Estella is being her Cruella persona, she calls herself Cruella, which means, you know, black and white hair, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And I feel like the movie doesn't necessarily do a good job of like giving us a believable this is why she switches or she switches for this reason. It just feels more like a character that she's playing. Yeah. And so whenever she's like Coella, I'm just thinking like, okay, this is just Estella's character. It's not really her. Yeah. So again, the movie's kind of like walking it back. Like, oh yeah, she's kind of crazy, but she's also just doing a character that she can kind of turn off at any point. She doesn't really, it's, it's really weird. Yeah. Now I will say that, did you ever watch uh, Once Upon a Time on ABC? Uh, not really. I've seen like a couple of episodes, but okay. not really. Okay, it was great for like the first three seasons, and they turned Peter Pan into a villain. And Peter Pan's a very great like villain, and it was actually my favorite part of the show. And then after Peter Pan, it literally went <laughs> downhill. Like after that, it was so bad. I like the idea that. of Peter but Pan as a villain. That sounds cool. We 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 can we could talk about that. We can offline and talk about that <laughs> because that shit was amazing. Like Peter, I was like Peter Pan. It's like when you really think about the concept of Peter Pan, it's scary as fuck. A guy, like a, a, a eternally childish person who sneaks into bedrooms and takes children and keeps them on, a, oh, on an island. the original book, literally, like, Peter Pan, like, is it as a character, he, like, grows up to, like, basically puberty, but he still has all of his baby teeth. Like, it's, like, a really, Ew. it's a distress. Yeah, the book, the book gets that's, a little bit, scary. yeah. But uh, I, I watched just a little bit. I would literally, like, pop into the show every now and then because they would have, like, arcs, like, half-season arcs. Like, after Peter Pan, it was, like, Wicked Witch of the West. And they will have a new villain, like, every arc. So Wicked Witch of the West will come in. And Regina, the Queen of Hearts, was always, like, not, not Queen of Hearts, uh, the evil queen from Snow White was always a recurring villain slash antihero. But then, like, they had, like, this kind of, like, triplet villain arc where it was Ursula, Cruella, and uh, Maleficent. And, uh... Cruella, it was funny because they they will always go through the backstory and all these villains all had these like sympathetic backstories except for Peter Pan, which is why I love it. <laughs> but they all had their sympathetic backstories and there was this, I can't remember what the MacGuffin was, but the thing was, was like each villain, to, in order to defeat them, you, knew, want, you needed to give them back something that they loved that they lost, uh. right? 
So Ursula, apparently, in, in like a twist of the Little Mermaid story, she lost her singing voice. And so that's why she became evil, because she lost her singing. So they gave her back her voice. Cruella's off the board. Uh, Maleficent, uh, she lost her baby. So you give her back, and that's why, like, she cursed Snow White because she was jealous because she had a baby and yada, yada, uh-huh. yada. So they give her back, like, her daughter, and Maleficent's off the board. But Cruella, this is, I really like this. Cruella, they go into her backstory. Turns out she was, like, locked in her room, and her mom, like, never let her go out the house. And Cruella will always, like, look at fashion magazines and listen to, like, 1920s music. She was just very, like, sheltered as a person. So you're thinking, like, oh, like, she got her freedom taken or, like, whatever. No, it turns out. Cruella murdered her mom with Dalmatians. She used Dalmatians to murder her mom. <gasps> and the thing that and the thing that she lost that she wanted back was her ability to kill. Somebody cast a spell on her to say you can never kill again. And that's what Cruella wants the okay, most. That's she wants awesome. to kill people. And so like when you find and it was like such it was the pacing in it was so well. it was like, oh yeah, Ursula wanted her singing voice back. Done. Oh, Maleficent wanted her baby back. Done. Cruella, what do you want? How can we defeat you? Oh, she wants to kill people. Oh shit! Like let's back, let's back. Maybe we don't make that one come true. Let's make that one not come well, true. And see, it was it was so. I great. actually appreciate that a lot because I've I've spoken before about the fact that like I I want to see more female villains in media. I think that it's really it's like a thing that we need. I feel like women are so. I mean, like there's you know female characters in media are so often divided mm-hmm. into tropes like you you're either you're, you're yeah. the mother or you're like the femme fatale or you're the girl next yeah. door like you can only be one thing you're always shoehorned in and i feel like when we get female villains it's always like oh but like this is like they're just a misunderstood little poor little white girl you know like right and that's one of the reasons why amy dunn from Gone Girl is one of my favorite villains of all time. Yes. Because yes. you do relate to her and she did have like a fucked up childhood, but never at any mm. point do they try to be like, well, this makes up like her parents didn't love her enough and that's why she's yeah. so crazy. And she was fine. like <laughs> she was fucking fine. I mean, yeah, she, she literally she's went She's a nuts. rich white girl. And yeah, like her parents were she neglectful and and you know, but I mean, really that's that's your your villain origin story backstory is oh yeah my parents my my rich white parents uh left me a brownstone she didn't have to do anything <laughs> that she did and that she didn't have to do anything that your husband cheated on you okay yeah like you either you either cheat back or you break up with him yes. and you take his money like you you're you're the reason that he has them like yes. take the money like just whatever exactly like you know what i'm saying and it's but she said like oh let me just frame him and murder other people on the way it's like, still what? like it's you know it's you can still you can understand you know you can relate to her and you can say yeah that sucks uh-huh. i would want to get revenge too but at no point are you like this is a rational and appropriate response yeah. <laughs> to yeah. what's going I, on. I, I, here. Love, I love her. It's, it's it's never none of what she does is rational. No. At all. And what I love about what I love about her because I love I love her character in Gone Girl so much. <laughs> what I love about her is that she literally like she literally taught like Ben Affleck's character everything that yep. he knows. Like she basically made him like a smarter person. So not only was he able to figure out like, oh, this bitch is fucking trying to frame me and like gave him like he now has the tools to kinda like fight back. But she literally leaves. She's like literally in her car, like la di da di da, I got away with it. And immediately like drops a load of cash and gets robbed. Yep. And now she's like I'm going to have to go to Neil Patrick Harris' house now, who's also crazy. Like, literally, her plan goes to complete shit because she was just so full of herself. And I I love that because she's really smart. But at the same time, she wasn't necessarily prepared for, like, what came after. She just thought so highly of herself that she thought, like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm unstoppable. But you didn't even think to, like, I don't know, 
not carry a bunch of cash with you. And it's and again, it's her talk. rich white girl privilege, you know, that she's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I'm I'm smart. I'm capable. I can just flash my fucking money around in a trailer park. <laughs> like, what is the matter with you? You dumb bitch. Dumb fucking But bitch. it's, yeah, then, it's that. Oh that's why gosh. I love her. And that's, that's the kind of thing that I would have loved to see from Cruella. Because Cruella is such mm-hmm. an iconic, like, just unhinged, like, like yes. really like this is how far you'll go to get a dalmatian coat like what to get a coat why get a coat and you know who else she reminds Damn. me of puppies yeah like wow but um what's her name <laughs> have you you've seen i'm assuming you've seen the rescuers you're familiar with the rescuers yes so mm-hmm. like madame mm-hmm. medusa from the rescuers yes. is another example of yes. just that like her and Quilla are probably related i'm not right convinced. but both of They're those related. characters are just legit terrifying like and i mean it yeah. also kind of speaks to the like childless female trope being evil which is like mm-hmm. not great you know <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah you know you gotta you gotta take your your wins where you where you can when it comes to yeah. representation um for women and minorities and i do think that like the two of them are uh admittedly flawed but still really cool um female villains yeah. especially like in the disney canon um and it's mm-hmm. you know again it's like comparing them to the more traditionally feminine like the you know in disney loves right the femme fatale disney loves to kill off the the sweet perfect (laughs) mothers like all of the princesses have mothers that were just absolute saints and they they died because they're you know what i want i want a mother to get killed off in a disney film and then come back it's like an evil oh that would be good i would i would really love that disney if you're listening like twist it like switch it yeah. up like kill the mom but bring her back as like the bad guy that would be like, like literally awesome. they like always juxtapose like snow white uh even like sleeping yeah. beauty the rescuers it's always Cinderella. like all of these little protagonists are orphans and mm-hmm. they go up against a mother type figure who is a childless you know older woman who is evil and resentful of this protagonist's youth and beauty and it's yeah. like mm, okay yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would I would like point like to like play with that a little bit. I would like to like throw up like Mother Gothel in yeah. there because like I love Rapunzel's my favorite like Disney princess. Like it's one of my favorite it's such a like good movie. Disney princess. I love it. Like movies is so great. Mother Gothel like she's not like you can say she borders on film fatale, but not really. She uses her looks like once in the movie, yeah. but she's literally just she literally fits that archetype that you just said like childless like motherly type or whatever. Yep. But she's literally like just in it to look good for herself. She's literally just in it for her own fucking reasons. And that makes her a great villain because she doesn't necessarily use like force. She's literally like, oh, I only see this child as like a means to eternal youth. And I'm going to basically like bombard her with love. I'm going to like psychologically like condition this girl into thinking that I am the only one that she yeah. needs gaslighting making, 101 <laughs> like gas she get <laughs> gaslit the fuck out of Rapunzel yeah. and that like like I said that's scary as hell because she literally used love as a weapon to the point where even when like she was like this old decrepit thing falling out of the freaking tower Rapunzel was still just kind of like that's my mo- like that's my mom yeah. like and and, and, that, and that, you can tell that just kind of probably gave Rapunzel PTSD for the rest of her life yeah. this woman who was her mother for so many like 18 years and yeah. who brushed her hair and like said these like very mean things. She, I I just I love Mother Gothel I so mean, much. And that's like, the thing is amazing. these these villains they are they are great characters, but it it just sucks to me that it's it's so much of this trope because I do feel like women are kind of shoehorned into this idea that all and it's it is specifically white women because it's it's literally I mean first of all that's the main 
white women make up of the majority of female representation in media, but also it's very much a commentary on like, you know, white feminism and, you know, prioritizing your value within a patriarchal world that prioritizes beauty and stuff like that. Um, But Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I loved Cruella, because literally, you know, they they could have easily made 101 Dalmatians about, uh, you know, a young little family. But um, Mm -hmm. what Roger and Anita is the character's names, um, they, Mm -hmm. you know, they are childless and they are, you know, prioritizing their their dogs. And it's not (laughs) Cruella is not resentful of them because they're having children. She's not seeking youth or beauty. She's literally just unhinged. To the point where she's like, yeah, no, I I want a fucking coat made of Dalmatians. You guys have what I want. I'm going to take it. And I just, I think that yep. that was such an interest. That could have been, I don't think we need any of these origin stories. I don't think we really yeah. need any of these live action Disney, like, let's delve deeper into this. But especially not when they're just so yeah. one note. But I, you mm-hmm. know, if anything, th- there could have been an interesting, like, psychotic character that doesn't fall into these typical tropes. I want to I want to talk about that a little bit more of like origin stories kind of like ruining like these kind of like great villains already because like we've seen it with Maleficent like giving her like an origin and making her th- it, it ruins the character of Maleficent yes. because she literally shows up and it's just kind of like oh you didn't invite me to a party fucking cursing your baby exactly so like like I, I like that Maleficent like uh, turn to a dragon like eat your head like that type Maleficent of shit was but then like before the movie oh my god shit baddie baddie and like look look angelina jolie is a very beautiful very like very for the movie she is maleficent for the movie she is maleficent but the way that story is constructed like you can you can keep it but (laughs) even like going like like one of my favorite villains of all time is like nurse ratchet from one flew over the yes like talk about like psychological talk about gaslighting talk about like oh yeah i'm a nurse who is supposed to care for the mentally ill and i'm gonna use and i'm gonna pretty much like use like their family i'm gonna use like psychological tactics to make their time here that's supposed to be comfortable miserable as all hell the fact that that got like a show diving into her backstory i was just kind of like and nurse ratchet is also a great like that's actually like i think that you know a lot of these tropes that in my opinion are good they're suit they're okay commentaries on white feminism because mm-hmm. really it's it's trying to be something that's not with these with these disney villains but nurse ratchet is a great commentary i think on white feminism and also um what's the word that i'm looking for just just the patriarchy literally the idea that uh-huh. power corrupts and when you put someone yep. in power they're going to use the systems that are in place to abuse that power even women right. because literally women are usually made docile in, in stories like this but the fact that she's a woman in the 1960s who's not even a doctor she's a nurse but she uses mm-hmm. the little bit of power that she has to lord it over people who are you know in a in the positions underneath her yes that is a fan first of all absolutely evil and also yes just a great yes. commentary on the way that our society works and how power structures work mm. and how all of us everybody is capable of abusing power when they get it it's just it's i think it's a great commentary she's a great character and it's a way to tell the story without relying on these you know like yeah she's i don't remember specifically if they mentioned that she's childless but i i think that she she mm. probably is a, is a single woman in the story but it's not like used yeah. like oh she's barren or she's cho- she's such an evil like elderly spinster that's chosen to be a bitch <laughs> 
<laughs> no, yeah, she's she's definitely like I think, and I think the show revealed that she was uh she was also I think the show revealed that she's a lesbian. So that was like a that was like kind of like oh okay makes sense. <laughs> um, because she's very but she very much like uses men like as like pawns yeah. in in the one floor of the cuckoo's nest. But I will never I will never forget the scene where um oh this is this is so bad too like what's his uh, why am I blanking on his name he played the vo- Brad Dourif Brad Dourif's character Billy. Holy shit! There's the, the I'll never forget the scene where uh, Brad Dourif had just you know he got it in. He was super happy. He's a kid like there. He did, didn't get to live, but he got it in. <laughs> and she said she basically says like, "Oh my god, what would your mother think? Like, what would your mother think if I told her? You know, I'm gonna have to call her." And she knew just saying that to him was gonna cause him to break down, to cry, and just kind of like just he eventually like spoilers for One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, forty year old movie. <laughs> Uh, she knew that he like he ended up killing himself off of just those comments alone. Yep. And I remember uh, there's a thing where like you know everybody's arguing about it and everything. And fucking Mac Murphy, Jack Nicholson's character, looks at her and she just gives him like this really sly smile, like I'm in control here. This is my world, and you can't do shit about it. And it really like that sent shivers down my spine. Oh yeah, like she is something else yeah she's wow. yeah she's terrifying it's a it's, she is a great female villain it's it's really mm. it, it is really nice to when you when you see those those examples because i do think that they're few and far between but when they're done well it's it's absolutely terrifying in the best right, way right <laughs> okay. oh oh you're also you're gonna love this too because i actually want to talk about like another villain that's perfectly in your will two villains actually that's perfectly in your wheelhouse of star wars Ooh. and Actually, this can go into three villains because, like, Star Wars is good for their villains. But I've always said that Kylo Ren, and I'm probably going to get hate for this, but <laughs> Kylo Ren, as, like, in, from the first movie, from first movie to first movie, Kylo Ren is a much more interesting villain than Darth Vader in his first movie. Because Darth Vader is very... he's. Darth Vader is a very intimidating, like, figure. He shows up, yeah. he's in all black, because black is scary, trust me, I know. <laughs> and he shows up and he's just kind of like... Oh, show me, uh, go get those plans. I want them alive. And he's like throwing people. He picks this guy up. He throws him. He's just throwing people, people getting shot up. And like, it's, it's a very like striking first impression of this character. But for the most part, you know, Darth Vader's just kind of like, you know, choking people out. He got the deep voice. Cool. Whatever. No, I mean. Kylo Ren though. You're right. I, I, I hate to admit it because I love Darth Vader. Um, he's, he's the best. He's he's one of the best. Without the prequel trilogy, which is my least favorite trilogy. Darth Vader is a pretty one-dimensional villain. Like the big twist yeah. in, you know, Empire Strikes Back where he's like, "Oh, I am your father." Yeah, that's That made his character. Yeah, man. it's that made It's it. impactful mm-hmm. and it, it's it's it's, you know, it's great and seeing, you know, seeing his eventual turn on the Empire and the Emperor is great, but you really don't get that that view into his psyche and it's really mm-hmm. Darth Vader's arc is really all about how it affects Luke, you know, and it's yes, it's more yes. a commentary on Luke's character and Luke's morality and like we were talking about earlier how you know Luke is made a better character by how he interacts with Vader and how he still has compassion yes. for Vader even though Vader's a, like right. a, like a space Nazi you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. like, like yeah, it's yeah. you know like it's good way to put it it's not you know and and being able to to say you know I still think that there's good in you I still think that you can make the right decision and help me um you know that says a lot more about Luke than it says for Vader and then we get the prequels and then you know everybody in the Clone Wars and everybody fell in love with Anakin because we get to uh-huh. see Anakin as a young hot dude which will be interesting to see if that happens in the Lord <laughs> of the Rings show because Sauron yeah. is an objectively terrifying horrible genocidal murderer. <laughs> Yep. But yep. he was like an elf type 
person who was really hot before all this. I didn't know this. Oh yeah, I didn't you know gotta, this. I just always saw him as an eye. Do you, uh, and then like you, you know, you don't armor. follow Don Don Marshall on on TikTok, the Lord of the Rings. I don't. You gotta follow him, dude. He he's uh, he's I awesome. Don't. He shout out to Don Marshall seventy two. He's uh, the obscure Lord of the Rings facts guy. He's awesome. I need I need to check that out because I didn't know Sauron was like a person. I've only saw him as like literally a walking set of armor, and then he got his finger chopped off and became an eye. Well, as much as much as I love uh, Lord of the Rings, I, I've never really gotten into the Cimmerillion. Um, yeah, I because I, I'm not really into Tolkien's prose. It's like it's really long-winded mm-hmm. <laughs> um yes and yeah it's it's hard for me to get into um but Cimmerillion goes into like generations like decade like mm. centuries worth of like essentially just backstory of of right. middle earth um and yeah apparently Sor- sauron was a total hottie so i like i, I do like hottie <laughs> i mean like, yeah like, I'm just saying, Hella and Thor of the Dark Ugh. World, come holla, come holla at your boy. Dude, like, Kate Blanchett, app, like, she walked out of that portal and I was like, oh, okay. <sighs> Burned in my brain, <laughs> let me tell you. Like, she, I don't know what it was about the walk. Not only did she, like, the sword thing was just so I hot mean, when she flipped those swords her out. Costume, I don't even know where they came from. That woman is the almost costume. 50 years old. And I'm like, holy oh shit, God, she sashayed the she sashayed out that fucking portal, and I was, I was fucking hooked. Yep. And it, oh my god, I'm sorry. Like, give me a sec because that was. <laughs> See, now, yeah. It, it was it. She when she when she said like you don't look like him, you sound like him. I'm like, why does that weirdly <laughs> like get me going? Like, what does that? Like, what is happening? You know, I I speak out a lot about objectifying female characters, uh, but. I was a little disappointed when she walked back into Asgard and her costume like healed itself because I was like, I mean, those holes were really working for you, girl. Those holes were nice. Those holes were <laughs> I nice. Was, I, was, I, mean, I was kind of feeling the patchy. I mean, you know, but I mean, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever. But yeah. here's and she was fully clothed. Too. She was. Fu- she was fully, fully well, fucking. Clothed. I'll tell you this: I used to cosplay. I don't really cosplay so much anymore. Although, who knows? Mm. Maybe Halloween, I'll, I'll bust it out again. Um, but uh, I used to get people. This was this was like ten years ago too, before it was really normalized. Like I had to make my own costumes, uh, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I would get so many comments from people. This this was very much before like the, um, like girl like empowerment thing. Like where would you want? Do right. what you want. I would get so many comments from people that were like, "Wow, your costume is like, I can't believe you feel comfortable going out like that. It's like really you know skin tight." And I was like, "You have eight you just literally just posted eight pictures of yourself in a bikini. <laughs> like, how is it different when I'm just wearing a skin tight bodysuit? Like I'm covering more of my body, but you're telling me that it's mm-hmm. like inappropriate. I used to get, was this person like dressed as a mouse? I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, get, I used to get comments like that all the time where people are like, Oh wow. Mm-hmm. I can't believe, I can't believe you feel confident like doing that. I'm like, but it, yeah, but it's what about that fucker over there who's dressed like Zeus with his chest out? Like what the fuck, he, Leonidas over there Literally, is chilling with it with just his diaper. It's truly funny to me, like diaper. being a member, and and it's it's great. I love that's one of the reasons why I love being on TikTok is seeing like how much nerd culture has been normalized and expanded, mm-hmm. and I love seeing like young girls like feel confident cosplaying, and you know. Yep. But it is it's really crazy to me to see how much the culture has changed in just ten years because. Yeah, it was. I, I've always loved dressing up, and I had so much fun cosplaying. But it was definitely one of those things where people would just be like, <laughs> mm, and like a lot yeah. of dudes would be creepy, uh, like at conventions, and a lot of women 
would be really judgmental <laughs> when they talk yeah. to me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Me, when I go to those conventions, I try to be like over, overly respectful, like overly respectful. Like I'm just like, whenever I'm talking to someone and obviously like, you know, they're in like their skin type, buxom, like whatever. Yeah. I, I keep the guy in me to a minute because I'm a guy and like I'm not going to use that as an excuse to be like, hey, I'm a guy. Look at me. <laughs> but I'm just, <laughs> I don't know what that voice was. But like, hey, hey, I, like the, I like the boobies. It's a guy voice. But Total guy voice. It's a guy voice. <laughs> oh, hey. Love your boobies. Kind of <laughs> uh, but like I literally like this like right in their eye and I'm just kind of like, yes, nice costume. <laughs> it's great. Very accurate. Keep it moving. I like, mean, you know, just yeah. like. Well, you know, like you don't have to be a creep with that type of and shit. And it's really, I think that like people really, uh, there, there's been like a, a it, it's important to have a conversation around it, you know, because like mm -hmm. I get a lot of, a lot of people say things like, oh, well, if you don't want me to comment on it, then why would you wear that? And it's like, okay, here's, look, we're all, That's not why. <laughs> we're all just trying to have fun and nerd out together. And yes, when people cosplay, mm -hmm. they feel like, they feel like baddies and they, you know, they feel good yeah. about themselves yeah. and they, they want to look good and they want to be complimented, but it's nice to go up and say something like, ah, your costume looks amazing. Like you, you must, put, all it takes. you must have put so much work into it. Like, this is so cool. Can I take your picture? Instead of being like, oh my God. Black Cat is my favorite character ever, and this is like, oh my god, this is just great. Like, there's ways that there's I, I ways did the to go about I did it. the guy voice too. We, we both, there, we oh both. <laughs> that was really good. That was really. I think we both so this is the guy voice. <laughs> this is this is the guy voice. But like, I totally like, I totally feel you on this because like, and I'm gonna like flip it back on like the on the on the male perspective. Like, I don't really get this, but. I don't wear gray sweatpants everywhere, but like if yes. I'm wearing like gray sweatpants, if I'm wearing like gray sweatpants, I do have like some very nice gray sweatpants that I got from like my job that like I started wearing, like, you know, just to like go grab food or like whatever. And I do want people to like comment on the, oh yeah, those 72 and sunny, what's that? I want people to talk about yeah. it, which is why I'm wearing it. Sure. But I'm not wearing it so you can comment on my print exactly you know what i'm exactly. saying like like you don't have to comment on my print so like why like just because somebody has their cleavage out they're not putting them out there so you can comment on their cleavage exactly you know what i'm saying so it's just yeah i'm just we yeah, all have bodies to... and it's okay for people i mean it's normal for people to be attracted to other people but it just you know exactly. there comes a point where it's like we're just what is appropriate to say to another stranger and what isn't <laughs> you know like... you know what i'm 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 i'm, I'm gonna give the guys the help okay <laughs> This is for the boys. I'm looking at my camera now. Boys. All right. You want to know how you can comment on a girl's boobs after you see them in that very nice Catwoman costume? What you do is you respectfully ask her for her number. You go out on a date. Three dates, preferably. You date for maybe a couple months. And then when your boyfriend and girlfriend, after a year, then you say, you know, I really liked your boobs when you were wearing that, <laughs> that Catwoman costume. I mean, yes. <laughs> That's when it's appropriate. You got to put the time yes. in. You got to put the time if in. If a woman has so, decided to show you her breasts, all of her breasts, in a private setting, then you then you can comment on them. You know? and then, it's pretty, <laughs> then it's pretty cool to comment yes. on it. You know? <laughs> because like as a, as a woman that has, and I, I've actually, I've considered making this TikTok so many times, as a woman that is endowed in the chesticle mm -hmm. area, um, mm -hmm. I, you know, women have boobs and just because we <laughs> have them doesn't mean that we want people to comment on them all the time. Like literally, I, right. I feel like any time I wear and not just cosplay, any outfit, if I wear anything that on someone with a smaller bust would just just be a normal outfit and people wouldn't even say anything. I feel like I like large breasted women are often excluded from a lot of fashion trends like corsets are really popular mm -hmm. right now. And it's like mm -hmm. when I wear a shirt like that, like literally all you can see is my boobs. And it's like 
I I don't necessarily want people constantly commenting on <laughs> the right. size of my chest, right. but I also want to be able to wear what I want to wear. And it's like nor- normalize people just having bodies and not <laughs> not feeling the need to comment on them. Like I've I've seen so yeah. many videos where people are like judging what teachers wear because teach they happen to be particularly voluptuous things like that. It's like. They're... You can't leave your ass at home. Exactly. I'm just exactly. Saying. You can't leave your boobs at like, home. <laughs> what are, you, 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 you can't expect people to wear ponchos all the time just because they <laughs> happen to have a certain body type. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. You know what? That's you know just a, just a lesson, just a little thing, to, little nugget of something to take away. Maybe. You know the you know who the villains here? The creeps. That's who the villains <laughs> that's, are. That's it, that's true. It, full circle yep. we wrap that way back around because <laughs> creeps are the villains so and you don't have welcome. to be you can grow you can grow but you can grow <laughs> you can mouth breathers uh, there's people on the call right now just kind of like <gasps> like <laughs> just going just going what are we talking about are we talking about boobs boobs anyway get your head boobs are there, distracting guys, to all of we... us they're they're distracting to women uh, who aren't even attracted to boobs i've had this conversation so many times but you know Everybody loves boobs, guys. Every look, everybody loves boobs. Yeah. But keep that shit to yourself. <laughs> Just keep that shit to yourself. Like that's all you have. To, you can think like in your mind. Your mind is your playground. Just say yep. it all in your mind. You can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. Whatever. <laughs> like unless there's like a fucking mutant out there that can read it. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> So just, just guys, we all like boobs. Um, that was a nice, yeah, that was a so, fun little segue. Fun, fun little segue. I, I mean, I'm always down to talk about boobs. Right? So me too. Just, boobs are great. Just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you ever see, I hear that TikTok sound that's like uh, Nicki Minaj is going, boobs, 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 a lot of boobs. <laughs> no, how have I not heard that? You never <laughs> I literally, I literally try to keep this off my point because we talked about this. Like, there's nothing worse than like scrolling oh my and out of where you just see somebody with like big boobs and you're just kind of like, oh, I'm not looking. <laughs> but like, it's literally a sound that's literally just Nicki Minaj going, boobs, 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 a lot of boobs. And it's just women just showing off their boobs. So I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh, what's happening to this app? I mean, you but know, anyway, yeah, it's a little, little yeah. something for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> a little something for everybody. <laughs> But yeah, so I think like, so I think like, let's talk about, cause we kind of already talked about this right now. Actually, I want to do something. I want to do something. Cause I feel like we should get some more fans involved yes. into our discussions. And I actually put out a um, question of uh, who's your favorite villain of all time. And we got a lot of responses from a lot of people on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Oh, wow. So I'm going to, yeah. So I'm going to start with some of the Twitter ones first, and then we can just kind of like talk about some of those picks. So we have Logan Lear, Legger. He he named a bunch of them. He named a, bo- a bunch of them. But uh, specifically comics, he said Magneto because he's mostly right and that's terrifying. Magneto so, is like an all-time great villain. Like Amazing. Just, I mean, like, and I love Killmonger too. And I know that the two of them are compared a lot because, you know. He wrote Killmonger in the tweet as, yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> the tweet as well. Yeah, they're both. And Killmonger, I literally, I just watched Black Panther recently. And I, I love Killmonger. And it is... It's one of those things. I feel like Magneto walks this line too, but we haven't. I feel like at least in the in the films, in the comics, we've seen a lot of this. But mm-hmm. in the films, as much as I love both Michael Fassbender and Ian McKellen's versions, mm-hmm. we we don't really get to see a lot of like, you know, speechifying and a lot of like uh, big big important monologues. Like the first yeah, X Men movie, we got movie, two. I think we just got two. Yeah, and and I think Michael mm-hmm. Fassbender has gotten more of that than Ian McKellen has gotten. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that like. Killmonger's big speech about, 
Wakanda staying out of conflicts and what he's gone through um, was so empowering. And I think that in the Mm -hmm. comics, I've seen Eric have a lot of um, speeches like that that are very much like Mm -hmm. you realize what humans are capable of. And like this, we we have to we have to protect ourselves. And there comes a point Mm -hmm. when, you know, as oppressed people, we have to fight back because literally Darth Chaco actually just made this video where somebody asked if the rebels were terrorists and he's like well technically mm-hmm. technically yes but technic- technically yeah. yeah but technically um the you know u.s uh Re- revolutionary war uh the you know u.s militias were technically terrorists you know like yeah. it's like this is this is the technical definition of the term and it's like at some point op- oppression reaches a place where doing something about it might might be defined by by a certain <laughs> certain words but but it's there's more context to it and i think that both right. killmonger and magneto have that like there's their they, their motivations are solid and i mean even if you yeah, disagree with solid. their methods it's like the the conversation needs to be had maybe genocide yeah. is not the way to go <laughs> um yeah but yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, during, uh, like you said, during that uh, speech that Killmonger was giving about, like, Wakanda staying out of conflict and everything, as a black man, like, I was literally just sitting there just going, yeah, yeah, why weren't you there? Why weren't you there? And, like, it's it's so poignant because, like, the, I, I've always said this when it came to, like, just the concept of Wakanda as a whole. Like, when you have, like, an entire nation of people who are staying secret, knowing that atrocities for people that came from them are happening all over the world, yeah. but yet they still are being kind of like neutral that's gonna piss you off because like you never like it's like it's like the equivalent of like you're getting jumped by a couple of people and your best friend is over there not doing anything you're just kind of like what the fucking jump in help and they're not doing anything that's what killmonger felt he's literally just kind of sitting there just kind of like where the fuck were you guys like not only did you kill my dad but you left me to the streets of oakland and 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 at the mercy of like the american like like systemic racist system And and Magneto, same thing. Like uh, one of my, one of the uh, best lines from um, from the uh, from the uh, original X Men trilogy is when he's showing his uh, tattoo of when he was in the concentration camp, yep. and he says, "Oh, I have a marking." Like, and best believe, no one will ever mark my skin, never will touch my skin again. Yeah. And that's the anger that he's carrying over to his fight for mutants. Yeah, you understand it. Genocide is not necessarily the way to go. <laughs> it's like it's like he's saying like. What do we want? Freedom. When do we want it? Now. Let's cause genocide. Yeah. Wait, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And I mean, it's I, that's the thing is like having these characters, like a character that's lived through the Holocaust and has literally barely made it out alive and is mm-hmm. seeing his and, and is now being oppressed for a completely different like it's like it, it's very Repeated much a, history. It's very much a commentary on intersectional oppression and seeing mm-hmm. like how you. It, it can history can repeat itself and how you can you can have multiple ways that you can be oppressed and refusing to allow it to happen mm-hmm. to you again because what happened initially was so horrific um right you know it's it's absolutely sympathetic and yes. that's I, I think that those villains like we've, we've talked about the fact that not all villains need to be sympathetic but i do think that this adds and that, that's the thing is i i do think that like i get I get conversations from people sometimes where they say that like, oh, Magneto isn't really a villain. Um, and I, he a villain. Yeah, I think I think the comics, like this is the thing about comic books, is <sighs> Magneto and Professor X have literally been huge characters for like 60 
almost years now since the 60s yeah so yeah yeah, about 60 so they're gonna have different arcs you know like they're gonna go through ups Mm. and downs where they're fighting on different sides and stuff like that and yes magneto's in the comics had a few times where you know he's i mean he's led the x-men sometimes yeah and professor x is definitely not the the moral uh high ground that he's painted to be in the films like in the comics Mm -hmm. he's done some really fucked up shit um right but yeah it's overall eric's morality and eric's uh fundamental beliefs put him on on, firmly in the camp of villain (laughs) like it's (laughs) oh absolutely absolutely is he sympathetic yes absolutely literally literally runs a group called the brotherhood of evil mutants yeah. like he he named it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so he he knows yeah. what he is yeah but he but, would you like, but would you like to hear another one yes yes let's talk more because these are great okay so carlo ren at carlo ren nine on twitter literally just posted a tweet of uh mr fletcher from the movie whiplash oh my god that's yes. yeah i can't remember his first name but fletcher played by the wonderful jk Simmons. oh my god that performance that performance was traumatic just as a watcher i think of that performance every day (laughs) like i'm not i'm not even joking it's like yeah it was that 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 film in its entirety was just outstanding and so such an emotional roller coaster oh talk about like yeah talk about roller coaster like in the ending like i've already said that like the ending is one of the greatest like cinematic endings like in history in my eyes and the fact that you know he puts he puts i can't remember his name uh neiman he puts neiman through so much like trauma like so much like yeah hurt and and just pain literally physical psychological emotional he puts him through so much pain and then the ending literally puts it into question what is it is that worth yeah. it like like is that worth it and yeah like somebody committed suicide under his watch but then there's also a success so I'm not going to say you can make an argument because I honestly want somebody to commit suicide under like your your teachings. It's automatically a bad teaching. Yeah. But then it kind of justifies what he did in a way. And now, like, I feel like, you know, Neiman's going to be one of those characters who's like, hey, he made me become better or whatever. Yeah. But it's just J.K. Simmons just knows how. To, I don't know how much of that was improvised. I don't know how much of that was written. But that man, J.K., knows how to deliver some hard hitting insults. I mean, he uh, that's the role that he won man. an Oscar for. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. He he earned yep. that Oscar. Like that was Absolutely. that was that, that performance was insane. And I do think that that's like a completely different category of villain where like it's it's not even necessarily that he views himself as morally right. He, mm-hmm. it's that he's serving an ideal that he views as more important than anything else, which is art yes. for art's sake and becoming the best artist that you can be, which has nothing to do with morality. It's very much, nothing. Um, yeah, it's, it's very much like an all encompassing goal that seems to have like consumed his life. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that's the thing about villains is their motivations are not even necessarily tied to morality. It's just tied right. to a belief system and his belief system is that art is art comes before everything else art is worth the sacrifice yeah. and it starts these philosophical conversations but it's also just a really fascinating way to portray a villain because it's not about mm. is he a good person or a bad person it's about is is what he's doing worth it you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I, I totally get what you're saying because like like he, again is he is he 
I want to say, yeah, yes, he's a bad person, but that's because, like, once I feel like you throw an entire, like, desk chair at somebody's head, yeah. then, yeah, you're you're pretty, you're a piece of shit. But at the same time, like, you got to, like, think to yourself, like, he, this character was excused for a long time for what he was doing. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, his, his bosses and, like, all the students knew this is, like, someone who is not only well accomplished, but he's very, like, hard on all of his students. And people still poured into his class and really wanted that validation from like if you can pass this man's class then you can pretty much like take on anything yeah. and the fact that he's done these things and they're willing to let him get away with these type of things it's not until someone eventually takes their own life because of what he's done where people start to look at it in a different light and so that character it's a moral question is actually Phil philosophical yeah no i mean it, it's actually that mm -hmm. character is actually great like we were talking about before like um like Joker, how it people want to say mm -hmm. that society is is the real villain of that film, um, which I disagree with. But I do think that for Whiplash, um, societal expectation and the idea of a meritocracy and capitalistic ideals that that you you mm -hmm. can work hard enough, you can be anything you want to be. That really is right. the true villain of that film because Mr. Fletcher has heart and soul bought into this idea that success, right. that being the best at something is more important than anything else. And all of these people right. filing into his class, the person that that, that took their own life, uh, are, are falling to this idea that if you can if you can achieve something that society rewards at that level, then that's mm -hmm. that's worth any sacrifice. And so that's in, in yeah. my opinion, that movie is much better commentary on um, the dangers, the dangers of our societal norms and those expectations that we put on ourselves to literally work ourselves to death. Um, mm -hmm. than, than a lot of, a lot of films that try, that try to do that in a much more blatant and obvious way. Right. Right. That, that goes directly into like, and we don't really have to go into, I just thought this was, <laughs> that goes directly into somebody else's picks. Uh, it's, it was from queer prince 27 on twitter says humanity is one of the greatest villains of all time it's, so that i mean literally though like and i think a lot of, a lot of movies do a great job of of painting that whether it's through allegory uh, of like an embodied yep. character or whether it's literally just uh like i i think um the show watchmen does a great job of that yeah. where it literally yes yes like and, and they have physical embodiments through like this but but the fact that all of the villains are this group society that wear masks is a better, mm -hmm. I think it's a better embodiment of the idea that it really is like faceless groups of people, society right. that has, that has come together to say, I need to watch, watch. We're terrible. So oh, you dude, you haven't you, seen it. You've got to watch it. I still haven't seen it. I still, I'm, I'm, I don't know why, but seeing shows is like getting harder and harder for me, but I'm definitely going to like watch it. Like, especially I'm going to just tap start today and we're going to watch well, it. Actually like, today, today is the, um, the anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre. Uh, really? It is, yeah. And that show oh. was w one of the shows that put that historical event on the map. Like, literally, it had been... That's how it got... Like, it, people are talking about it a exactly. lot now. That's why. Like, literally, I never learned about okay. it in school. I've had so many conversations with people about how never. it's something that most people have never even heard of. Um, mm -hmm. and I live in North Carolina now and my father talks a lot about something similar that happened close to where I live in North Carolina, where literally, mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember the years. It was a couple of decades after, um, the emancipation proclamation, but literally there right. was a very successful black community here and they had elected officials and literally here, uh, a, a bunch of white supremacists, uh, changed the laws after the fact so that they could go in and remove all of these elected black officials from office and there was also a lot of death and murder 
Um, oh my gosh. And yeah, like, I mean, there's so many events like that in American history that are just not talked about, not not taught in schools. And the, the Tulsa massacre is a great example of this, that as soon as the Watchmen episode aired, people literally like it, the Google searches spiked for it because people mm-hmm. were like, is this, did this really happen? And it did. It's like, literally it's portrayed in the show almost exactly as it actually happened. Um, oh, God, I'm definitely watching you, it now. You've got to, because literally it definitely. was, it was just crazy. And so many people, it, it was a major eye opener for a lot of people about I feel like a lot of people, you know, especially in the past couple of years with the rise of like BLM and social awareness of how mm-hmm. deep set these issues are, like people are more aware. But seeing things like that portrayed on screen and realizing, oh, there's a whole lot that we don't even know <laughs> that we were never taught right. that we're just not acknowledging actually happened. Um, and it's it's really Sheesh. great to see media um, embracing that. And Damon Lindoff, the creator of the show, I think he did a really great job addressing mm. the issues that the original comic um tried to tried to tap into and adapting it mm. and actually it's really interesting because the show came out sorry i'm going on a tangent here but <laughs> the show came out oh no, it's fine it's fine the show came out um i think the this the the year before uh blm went uh. global and like there were there were those mass blm protests like all over the world i think it was two summers ago mm-hmm. yeah but yeah it was it was i was i was amazed by how incredibly timed the show was and how poignant it is for modern um modern I'm issues all over it. yeah you, you gotta you watch sold it me. you will you will love you it sold me. <laughs> it's officially it's thank you no. i'm on it i'm fucking on i recommend now. it to everybody everybody should watch this show it's one of my all-time <laughs> favorite television shows regina king is fucking masterful in the show she's she won an emmy for that i believe right she won an emmy for that one, i think I she did yeah it was she and she okay. yeah she's iconic like literally that role is amazing she's she's fucking iconic okay <laughs> speaking of like like black villains because i really feel like well villains and black people um because <laughs> i really feel like there's not really a lot of black villains that like make me go like oh my god like because you know killmonger immediately that like, comes to mind yeah. like denzel washington from training day that type of, but i want to like because i know you're a fan of like the marvel netflix shows i don't know if did you watch luke cage i did okay okay so Dude, you know where i'm getting with this. Mouth. and and cut mouth. Fuck it, Luke Cage. So spoilers for Luke Cage if you haven't seen it. But again, the show's been out since like twenty fucking yeah, it's been out sixteen, a while. I believe. It's been out a while. But fucking Cottonmouth is like is one of the biggest. He was amazing. How can I? He was fan fucking tastic to me. Like it was literally like because this was like at the time where like just it was, it was Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage came out, uh-huh. and it was like okay, Vincent D'Onofrio was Kingpin, top tier. Yep. Kilgrave, David Tennant, top tier. Mm-hmm. Cottonmouth was literally like up there with the best of them. And the, the, the fucking, such a great villain. And the fact that they killed him off in the fucking sixth, I believe, episode. It was such sixth a waste. episode. Waste. Such the entire waste. show never the show got back that. to it. It tanked like, after that so bad. And I, people are, like, whenever I comment, because everybody knows that I'm like the world's biggest Daredevil fan, and I talk about mm-hmm. Daredevil and Jessica Jones, the Marvel shows constantly, and one of the major comments that I always get when I mention them in, is, in passing is, what about Luke Cage? And Luke Cage was mm-hmm. great, but I can't lump it. it the way. I can't lump it in the same class because if it had, if the second half of the first season had kept going, if they had kept Cottonmouth around, for sure. But it just, oh God, it was such a bad, co- and now and we're getting. changed them out for fucking Diamondbacks, whack ass, like, and now we're getting um, Mahershala Ali, Mahershala Ali. I, yeah, got, I've got to, there's so many names no, that you. I have to like <laughs> memorize. Um, but yeah, the fact that he's we're getting his blade is awesome, it's great, so it's awesome. Great. I'm, I'm excited. 
But yeah, it was <sighs> but fucking like everything about that and here's the thing like i really hate that episode because like that was the episode we were getting like cotton mouth's backstory yes. which was so well done so well it done was brilliant. and the thing and the thing that pissed me off was like they literally just had like a little nugget of uh what's her name black Mar- mariah yeah mariah yes and like how like she was uh you know she was like abused by like the uncle and everything but she in that story she was like the side character in that story and then out of nowhere like once you understand like oh cottonmouth is a prodigy but he never got a chance to pursue his dream so that's why he's so closely tied to the club and that's why he's a gangster and he loves uh harlem and, uh, yep. and then mariah like kills him and then uh, oh it was mariah's story the entire I'm like, I wasn't focused on Mariah at all. I was still very much in Cottonmouth. You tell me his backstory and then you kill him in the same episode. And how, I mean, literally, he poured himself, like that role, he killed it. Like, why killed would anybody it. be focused on anybody else? And, yeah. like, I'm still bummed because Mike Coulter was he he bodied that role like he is the perfect yes. luke cage people don't like mike Coulter. i'm starting to realize but like i think he was he killed it as i don't understand how anybody could dislike him he was so great i loved him in jessica jones mm-hmm. and then i loved him in yep. his own show and i thought that he had great chemistry with so many of the characters yep um yep. but yeah I'm, I'm still bummed that we're not going to get him i don't think in the in the mcu because uh, yeah. i don't think that there's a better pick i think he was perfect for that role yeah, I don't I don't know who else you would pick at this at this point because he was such like not only did he look the part, but he just felt like the immovable rock. People yes. say he was like a little too stoic, but Luke Cage is like very, very stoic. Yes. Like he's a very stoic individual. And but then to like like die like again, I would Diamondback is like the worst fucking villain ever. Like he, I remember I, this line is such a terrible line, and it always it stuck in my mind. Is when one character asks him, "Is he sure that it does he know? Is he sure that he what he's doing is right?" And he says, "I shit you not." He goes, "Oh yeah, I was spitting from the top of the dome, and I ain't dropped the whack line yet." I was like, "Wait, what? Wait, 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 wait! What the fuck was that? Like, you're the bad guy?" Yeah, definitely not like, in the same class as Cottonmouth. Like, not even, nah. not even close. Nah, Cottonmouth, Cottonmouth, man. Like everything that he said, everything that he said and did was just dripped in like just coolness, just like, just like danger, yeah. and like he 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 had like this quiet fury about him. Like, like he, I remember when he's like, you know, beating this kid up in his chair. And like, you no, know, he's slapping him. He's slapping him back and forth, slapping him back and forth. And then the guy, he says like, "Oh, I never like hit bitches. That's why. Like, I never punch bitches in the face." And then he like spits in his face, and he goes, "Oh, thank you. Now I can beat you like a man." <laughs> and he kills him with his bare hands. Well, and the thing about, so good. The thing about Luke Cage so too is I, I read some really good think pieces that like, like compare like Black Panther and Luke Cage and the reception of oh, both. Yes. And it was like mm-hmm. Black Panther addresses race on a very global scale and like colonialism, mm-hmm. and it's it's easier. I think it's more digestible for like specifically yeah. white Americans. Um, but Luke Cage is very personal, very much about like the American yes. black experience. And I think that like a lot of the, the articles that I read, people were talking about like how it was, it's just more uncomfortable for, for white Americans yeah. to digest because it's a, a very confrontational about the issues that are right here in our, in our home. And Black right. Panther, obviously like Killmonger addresses it, you know, a bit. He, yeah. he grew up in the U.S., but the, the overarching, you know, like theme is like, colonialism and white imperialism and that you know and to to compare those two issues and like what we as a society are are ready to collectively deal with and address it's like 
Definitely. Yeah. I think it's definitely telling that so many, so many people uh, didn't find Luke Cage as palatable because it just hit a little bit too close to home. It was too real. Yeah. It, was, yeah, it was too close to home. And like, like I honestly, I've been saying like, I think like we should bridge those two gaps with the new like Wakanda yeah. show that's coming out. And I, 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 I don't know if you've wa- had a rewatch of Luke Cage recently, I but I would too. definitely definitely watch it now and then like watch it right after watching black panther because then you'll see luke cage in like a whole new light because the way like the way the the characters talk about like their situation in luke cage it's it's the black people in harlem like almost like a crab in a barrel right right Mm -hmm. and you know there's there's like talk about like oh the gentrification of harlem like keep harlem black and like you know there's just a bunch of like crime going on and some people and they can't leave because this is their home this is like what you know they they don't have any help and that's where Luke Cage kind of steps in to kind of like give him that help, have a homegrown hero to kind of like look up to who's not only like black, but he's bulletproof. So there's like there's so much like going on with that. But when you after you watch it with Black Panther, you think to yourself and this one makes Killmonger all the more right is that imagine if they were told the potential of Wakanda. Imagine if they knew like what Wakanda was. Yeah as a as a country that the fact that there's something out there that could be helping them right now not only that but wakanda has war dogs all over the stationed all over the country incognito you cannot tell me that there isn't a war dog in harlem right now watching this type of shit go on because that is exactly what radicalized killmonger's father when he went to oakland he saw these things and he said we need to give them the tools to fight back like so what if there was like so the bridge the gap like what if there was like a war dog stationed in harlem and he reports back to Wakanda, like, yo, like, you know, Harlem needs our help, whatever, whatever. And then you can kind of, like, reintroduce Luke Cage. And then you have, like, a bulletproof man talking to him. And mind you, he's a bulletproof man by, yeah, he has powers, but he's still just kind of him. He physically takes those bullets. Talking to the king of Wakanda, T'Challa or Shuri, take your pick, wearing a bulletproof suit, right? Just, like, I'm, like, I literally walk out here. And I face racism every day. I literally take these bullets every day yeah. on my own skin while you're literally physically and figuratively hiding behind y- your nation yep. and the shield that, you know, Shiri built. So, like, it's it's a, it's a bunch of interesting, like, themes going on when it comes to the black experience yeah. and, like, the importance of a Wakanda. What, like, you know, Wakanda is just kind of like, oh, what Africa could have been had it not been fucked by colonialism and then just kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm going off on a bit. No, tan- I mean, tangent, it's, but, yeah. and it's absolutely like, uh, even with uh, Falcon Wear Soldier recently, like I th- I've saw, mm-hmm. I saw the same parallels being brought up with like Isaiah Bradley and like mm-hmm. what, what Isaiah Bradley must think of the Wakanda situation, having gone through the, the horrors that, that he went through. And, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy to see like Wakanda being able to give their citizens and their king um, the, this lifestyle and these powers um, and then seeing the flip side of an American black man being given the, these powers for the express right. purpose of being used as a weapon. And when he steps out of line for one second, he's imprisoned because it's not an empowerment. It's literally being used as a tool. Um, mm-hmm. And that's such a that's such an interesting parallel. And again, I mean, I think Black Panther in the film, they lay out very like T'Challa and T'Chaka's reasonings are, you know, sound, you know, like there yeah. there are things you, you putting yourself in that vulnerable state um there comes a point when you have to protect yourself and you have to prioritize your own people um yeah. but i think that killmonger and his father uh both had good points too where yes that is true to an extent but there comes a point where 
you can no longer stand idly by and right, allow right. these things to happen. And it's, so it's, I think the film does a really good job of laying out both perspectives uh, because mm. even though Wakanda has never been colonized, they see the effects of white imperialism yeah. all over the world and how, you know, how dangerous and how insidious it is. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's really well done. And I, I'm really enjoying these deeper, more contemplative um expressions mm-hmm. of because because it, it's these themes have been in comic books forever and it's it's one uh, of yeah, the reasons absolutely why when people say oh well, comic book movies shouldn't be political or whatever i'm like well i mean it's always <laughs> it's always been there like. shut the fuck up <laughs> you shouldn't be reading you shouldn't be exactly. reading don't do, never pick up an x-men right. comic never pick up a comic book in your exactly. life exactly just, just just put it down right maybe now maybe it's not for Go. you <laughs> it's not for you man maybe maybe watch hockey i don't know what to tell you um Sorry for the hockey fans, but that's just kind of like the the widest sport I could think no, of. No, I'm a hockey fan, and you're 100% right. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very white. I hate, I, I hate how right I was right there. I wasn't even trying to really be right. Yep, nope, nope. <laughs> I mean, literally, I can't think of enough. I can't oh, not, God. maybe curling is a whiter sport, but I mean. Mm, you know, like... mm, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get into curling. Though. Watch, I'm going to get into curling. I'm going to like study it and I'm going to be like, yo, I know about curling. I can't wait, um, I can't wait. <laughs> <talk> curling. <laughs> All right, so we're going, we're going a little bit over, but I think like we can talk about like our favorite villains. Yes. And I think like we can go into like maybe like our top three favorite villains if that's all right with you yeah me like i've always held hans landa from inglorious bastards like to the highest regard yes like that man at at every turn he was winning at every turn you tried to stump him with a different language he knows the language you try to uh lie to him and say that you're from the 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 nation of pitspaloo or the city of pitspaloo he's calling bullshit on it like he you're trying to hide some fucking jews under your floorboards he knows exactly where they are but he's gonna drink your milk and like (laughs) and get you to talk english so they don't know hans landa was just so and not only all of that he was just very charismatic. He was very like unfeeling. He didn't have any emotions towards what he was doing. Yeah. He just saw himself as just kind of like not even a necessary evil. He's just like I'm just doing my job. Yeah, and like well, he was I can have fun. While... He was very. He was very opportunistic. And it's that's for me. I I am very much like in a f- philosophical sense. Um, I don't like I don't believe that like humans are inherently evil or inherently good. I think mm-hmm. that humans are inherently self serving. And I let I love villains like that that are very much they embody that because it's like. His yeah. morals aren't tied to what he thinks are good and evil. He just literally wants to get as much. And I think that that's the most realistic kind of villain because you can yeah. make excuses for your actions all day. But when it comes down to it, all you're trying to do is make life better for yourself and fuck everyone else, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's exactly what it did. You saw how he cut and run as soon as he found out like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Germans are going to lose the war. So I'm going to just like carve out a nice little place for myself. And, you know, I'll take the fucking swastika on my forehead. <laughs> I'm like, hey, like, all right. And uh, my other my other picks and I already said Nurse Ratchet. We've already went in depth about her. Yep. Like she's one of my all time favorites for sure. But I'm going to switch her out with uh, uh, Scar. Well, Scar is already there, but Scar is like my like when it comes to Disney villains, I feel like he's top tier because not only did he get away with what he wanted to accomplish for years, yep. like he got away with it. He literally even after he died, he's like, hey, like, you know, I became king. I, you know, was did everything that I want. He was living the life. And if you're going to murder your freaking brother and like attempt to like have your friends eat your nephew i think that puts you on the top and plus he's a great singer he's voiced by jeremy irons yeah and he's just so sassy he's just so sassy like oh i should practice my cutsy like (laughs) it's just i i love scars so freaking much i don't i don't really care for his baby mama but um (laughs) 
uh <laughs> and then like and this is this is gonna like be a little weird but like because i have two like cartoon ones in a row but again i'm switching it out for nurse ratchet and i think this villain that i'm about to say right here is even more villainous because of who voiced him hopper from a bug's life oh yeah hopper from a bug well you can i can switch them out it's either hopper or hades from they're both disney villains but hopper from a bug's life kind of edges out hades for me because he's voiced by freaking um kevin spacey yeah and it's just everything he says in that thing is even so much worse now it's so much worse and just um just like just like how like charismatic he was like when he steps up to ada and he goes am i stupid do i look stupid to you if you thought i would be down here in the dirt if my food wasn't up there do you think like he he is just so amazing like i love me some hopper and i think he's one of the most underrated disney villains of of all time despite the fact that he's voiced by an actual complete d-bag of a person yeah yeah hades is also great too but again apparently james wood is also a d-bag of a person so maybe they are like he is for sure yeah yeah he is (laughs) he's he's really bad he's not not really redeemable there yeah oh and i've already like in another show we've talked about reverse flash and how like completely i'm trying to show you the photo oh yeah how completely like heinous he is yeah reverse flashes i know that's five villains that i've already listed but i've had to i could i forgot reverse flash is literally sitting behind me he will probably come back in time and fucking stick his hand in my chest and stop my heart or something <laughs> if i don't say anything <laughs> you you put the respect on his name you put the respect yeah. on his name. he's going the other way now he's like oh good good <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel like I, like, I, I would say probably Amy Dunn is my all-time favorite villain. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, mm-hmm. I really love her. I, I do agree that, like, Hans, Hans Landa and Christoph Waltz is, God, he's masterful. Um, yes. It's definitely yes. one of my favorite villains. Um, but Amy Dunn, I just, I love everything about her. Like, everything we talked about earlier, I think that it's, she's, she's rare, a, a rare type of female villain. Um, I think mm-hmm. that it's the performance is great. Even in the book, she's you know they're they're even less likable in the book. If you can is she believe like it, worse than a, she's less likable. Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah, and so is Nick. Like literally everybody in the book is like such an irredeemable asshole. Even the sister. Oh yeah. Oh even, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, they're they're, they're, ter- they're terrible. Um, I thought the sister would be at least okay. <laughs> no, they're and and Jillian Flynn, the author, she's really good at writing. Um, characters that you hate that you still relate to, but you hate. Mm-hmm. She's a, very much. Um, it reminds me of like Chuck Palahniuk, who wrote Fight Club um mm, very okay. very similar vein um but my other villain that i love so so much um is mystique and yes me, yes mystique is is so great to me because um people often i think from the movies i think that in the original movies she's portrayed really well but i do think that a lot of people kind of especially from the later movies they give her this benefit of the doubt um mm. and in the comics she is without question always a villain like she's an, oh, always an incredibly sympathetic villain there are there are mm-hmm. su- some select stories where you really feel for her um but mm-hmm. she's always very mysterious and she's oh she always plays her cards really close to the chest and i just i love mystique so much i think that mystique's only redeeming quality is her love for rogue and to an extent yeah. to an extent destiny in the comics but i think that her love mm-hmm. for rogue is like more powerful in terms of like narratively um, yeah, because that's like, you know, because she's also just really, really bad at Terrible showing her bit. love. Like she yeah. she tries to save Rogue by like 
completely fucking up Rose's life, like repeatedly, <laughs> repeatedly. Um, yeah. And doesn't she like fuck with like her love lives? Oh and shit like yeah, doesn't she like fuck her boyfriend. There's and shit? literally <laughs> like at one point, Mystique goes undercover at Xavier's school as an underage student and gets in yeah, the shower no. with Gambit to try to tempt him and gambit says no um but it still uh wonder why she's like completely you're right. destroys his relationship with rogue <laughs> and rogue is like the fuck mom like yeah, oh my god she's the worst that's 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 fucking terrible i can like imagine like her saying like you passed the test and then she changes back and walks out of the shower I mean, and he's like what the actual fuck mystique hates gambit and she thinks that he's not even okay. remotely good enough for rogue it's so it's so funny but yeah mystique is amazing i love mystique i think she's really again mm. well written as like a very self-serving survivalist because a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know that mystique is um probably older than logan like nobody really knows yeah. how old she is um, mm. And she's been around. Uh, the last time I checked, they, I think like it was hinted that she might be like around 200 years old or something. Yeah, like that. she's been around a yeah. long time. She's a survivor. She's very much, um, you know, I isolated herself from humanity as like a coping mechanism because she's watched everyone that she's ever loved die. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that she's a really complex villain, but she's definitely a villain. Like she does unforgivable uh, yeah. shit all the time. Um, but my, my other two that I really love are, I, I, I think that Palpatine is a great villain from Star Wars because mm-hmm. I love Vader, mm-hmm. but my favorite part of the prequels, I don't really love the prequels, obviously, as I've mentioned many times yeah. before, but my favorite mm-hmm. part of the prequels is how insidious, um, Palpatine is, um, yeah. because people often think that he's just like this genius that put everything into place and he did have long-term plans, but really he lucked out on a lot of things and Palpatine's greatest skill was reacting to yeah. to his circumstance yeah like figuring mm-hmm. out like being pres- having plans having his plans get absolutely fucked and then saying <laughs> okay well how can i how can i twist this to still work for me and having it work and like his manipulation of that's anakin, a lot of energy yeah, yeah his manipulation of that's anakin of was masterful like convincing the entire senate and world that he was you know benevolent he, he's a, yeah, he's an incredibly written villain and actually i'm gonna have to google his name um, but what I, I think what, it's Julian something. I just know he has my name. One of my like the actor. Yeah, he he played Palpatine. It, he's actually I think the actor that's other than Anthony Daniels. I think who plays C three PO. He's been in like the most Star Wars product projects because he played the Emperor. He's been in like all three. Yeah, he, right? he played the Emperor all in three all three trilogies. Yeah, which that is just old. it's insane. Like I I couldn't believe it when I found out that he played the Emperor in the original trilogy and then he came back for the prequels um that dude is fucking old yeah like wow ian mcdermott is how old is he his name um well he's actually only 76 uh but that's still yeah that's still very very impressive um and yeah he's he's super cool and i'm pretty sure i'm just gonna double check because i don't want to be wrong but yeah anthony daniels yes anthony daniels is c3po and i think that i'm over here thinking of the energy it takes to because like it's one thing to like put your plans in place and then they just kind of like all go off without a hitch but like to constantly be like oh got fucked what can i do next oh got fucked yeah. what can i do next that's crazy yeah and i also like and maybe you can help me, i also like found out and this like kind of blew my mind was that i always assumed that he was like just you know, fairly, like, young or, or young, like, middle-aged man or whatever. Like, he looked normal. I always thought he just kind of looked normal. And then it was the lightning that he got redirected himself that kind of disfigured him. But apparently, he always looked like that. And he just, like, made himself look 
like he was like a regular dude. Yeah. And then once the lightning hit, he's decided to like let go of the facade to make it look like he was disfigured when he really wasn't. That's just how he actually looked. Yeah. And like that blew my mind. It's like, whoa. So even that was a facade? Jesus Christ. So even while he's getting wrecked by fucking like Samuel Jackson, he's like, yeah, I guess I might as well use this opportunity to really reveal myself and just call it. A- <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's oh my God. like everybody makes a joke of like the, the do it. Do it like the, the do, do, do it, it audio. Um, but I mean, literally, like that that actor has range. Like he, yeah, it's, he does. It's really impressive. I'd say mm. I have to give an honorable mention too because Pan's Labyrinth is one of my favorite movies of all time. But um, uh, yes. Captain Vidal from Pan's Labyrinth, I feel like it's very similar. Is that the imp thingy? No, it's the um the the guy that is Ophelia's like stepdad. <gasps> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He Fuck him. he very much has like a Hans Landa vibe. Um, he's mm-hmm. like they've rolled so much into it because uh, Pan's Labyrinth is actually a you know commentary on um colonialism to an extent too they're about like the the mm. spanish war um that, that went out throughout europe and um like Cap- captain vidal is such a fucking asshole and they roll so yeah. many ba- like he's a huge misogynist like the the uh the movie is very much a, like it's, it's a great commentary on like women's roles during wartime mm-hmm. and how the patriarchy affects um women even when they're not involved in these violent conflicts mm-hmm. um, because the central characters are obviously ophelia her mother and then the i can't remember what her name is but like the house the the servant that is like the personal servant to captain vidal oh. who's uh, her brother is with the rebels in the woods um but yeah it's he's he's just awful like we see mm-hmm. we see so many like the scene with the the bottle is just oh god it's horrible uh. I'm so glad I have you here because I didn't really understand Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot going on, and I was like, "Oh, she's fighting this super scary dude with eyes in his hands who eats fairies, and now she's getting milk for a bow truckle under her <laughs> under her bed." It's very. It's very like. It's a very thematic film, and a lot of um, a lot of Guillermo del Toro's work, uh, and this it's part of his trilogy that I can't remember what the trilogy is called. Um, mm. but it's, it's all very thematically linked about like coming of age stories in childhood and like seeing these, um, huge global, um, issues, a lot, a lot of which tied to like colonialism and warfare, mm. um, and how these things affect humanity, like through the eyes of children, which is very like death okay. devil's backbone is the other one. Um, and then I can't remember what the, what the third one is, but, um, yeah, his, his, his very nuanced stories, like he tells yeah. very simple narratives that are packed with allegory and metaphor um, yeah. and just layers upon layers of meaning. And I, yeah. I love Fans Labyrinth so much, but it's it's amazing because it has all this really scary imagery. Um, like mm-hmm. you have like the pale man with the eyes. Um, pale man, that's what he was. <laughs> yeah. And even the fawn is like creepy. But mm-hmm. neither of those are remotely as terrifying as Captain Vidal and the reality of what yep. what like people choose to do. So it's yeah, that's yeah. I think he's he's a great villain for that reason. Okay, you have to give me an education on Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> oh man, when you want to, I don't know if I can watch it again. When you want to talk <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth, you let me know because I fucking love that movie so much. For sure, for sure, for sure. I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can uh, when we do our horror episode. I've already like I cannot wait to talk oh, about yes. horror movies okay but yeah well, great we'll great oh, i can't wait till then <laughs> to squeeze in that that to talk about for a while <laughs> for sure and those were those are your villains list right there yeah i think so i think i i that's a let's say that's my top four <laughs> yeah yeah i i mean i got a lot of like tops so like it was actually even when even me writing them down i was just kind of like fuck but 
there's another yes. one there's another one yeah so we I, we can talk villains like all fucking day For real. like definitely could talk villains like all day but <laughs> unfortunately we have to bring this show to a close we do. um but hey guys thank you so much for listening as always and guys we got some exciting stuff for you guys we yes. uh got some patreon news like we're actually creating a patreon we're thinking about doing some live watch parties maybe of loki you don't know maybe there's yeah. an announcement coming out pretty soon <laughs> like it's <laughs> so look forward to that yeah um, follow us on twitter we'll also be posting some updates on tiktok but we'll definitely keep you guys updated because the patreon's gonna have a lot of really fun stuff we're gonna be launching a discord server um through hey. our through our patreon which is gonna be a really fun stuff to talk about things there's definitely gonna be different tiers available but there's gonna be um a lot of uh, bonus content, uh, bonus episodes, mm-hmm. behind the scenes, mm-hmm. watch alongs. So yeah, we're really excited to launch it, and um, yes, it should be good. There's going to be some big announcements coming. Oh, and another thing, guys, if you guys really are feeling our opening intro like we are, like shout out to Clemente and all the peeps at Mean Machine for creating that intro music. It sounds it's so awesome. amazing, so great, and thank you, thank you so much, guys, for listening to Geeks of the Week. You yes. guys have been amazing as always, and we will catch you guys next week. Yeah. See ya.